Hey everyone, it is another episode of the Breakpoint Show. Uh, and we're coming a little late. Uh, the fellas had a big extravaganza a couple days ago. They had the uh, JetBrains.net uh, day of .net or .net. What was the name of the name of the event, Martin? Uh, JetBrains.net day online. So a full day of sessions on pretty much every topic. Yeah. 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 So, so all those topics will be coming out uh, for the public like public uh viewing soon right yeah the the full recording is online but that means you have 11 hours to watch or just skip to timestamps uh but we are working on cutting individual videos so it's easier for people to find what they're looking for and what they want to watch awesome. yeah and it I think now's a good time, Martin, to say, uh, please go to uh, Breakpoint Show on YouTube, like and subscribe, and uh, also go to JetBrains TV and like and subscribe, just so you get like all the latest video content. So uh, yeah, double the .net, double the fun. <laughs> double the fun. <laughs> and you know, we're recording this on September 28th. I always have to remind myself to uh to say where we're recording this so uh today is an interesting we're actually going to record two episodes today give you double the fun uh but the first episode that we're doing right now is around testing and analysis so we're kind of taking a a wide net uh we're not talking about just unit testing we're not talking we're we're kind of pulling in everything to, that makes sure that our uh, software is running efficiently, robustly, uh, 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 disaster recovery, anything that you can think of to, to harden our software, we may talk about today. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Profiling, I mean, I know JetBrains and Microsoft both have great profiling uh, applications around memory and other resources. So uh, I, I know I always kick it off to Martin first, but Khalid, uh, why don't you start and and what do you want to talk, kick off the show today about? Well, you know, uh, during .NET days, Martin and I hosted... Uh, Daniel Ward, who did a really interesting talk about XUnit specifically. But uh, taking a step back while I was watching his presentation, uh, I was thinking about what makes an effective testing strategy? Like, what do teams expect to get out of adding things like unit tests, integration tests, uh, tracing and logging? Like, what are the reasons for adding those things. Uh, I can think of a couple off the top of my head, but I'd love to hear from uh, Martin, who manages a website and has managed MyGet at one point. And then uh, Chris, you, who's a team lead, like when developers come to you and say, hey, we, we want to adopt this testing strategy, what are the things you're looking for uh, to say yes or to say no? Sure. Go ahead, Martin. 
Yeah, I, I think the, the main purpose, and I think everyone uh, listening to the show or watching the show will agree with that, is um, that your testing strategy is there to test the system that you are building and to test that uh, the logic and the behavior that it's giving you is valid. Um, there's people who do that using just unit tests, essentially testing small units, small methods that they have in codes, see if they behave as expected, see if the output matches what is expected, et cetera, and then use that as a baseline to validate whatever they're building. Um, there's people who look into more uh, integration test styles where you say, look, I need a database, for example, and I need a storage layer somewhere. I want to write tests that test the entire system that I'm building. Um, it's the codes, is it returning the expected results? But also if I store something in a database, for example, that I know when I call a particular piece of codes, I'm actually gonna reach out to the database, see if something was written in the database to see if all of those things are valid or not. And then there's the middle grounds. I think Daniel covered that in his talk as well. And I, I also see a lot of people do that where people are mocking those dependencies and say, look, uh, I'm testing the system. It is supposed to write something in the database. I'm going to create a fake database in memory um, and see if something is written in memory in that case, uh, just to validate if my system is all right and uh, not care about running the actual database, not care about configuration, security, all of that, but just see if something ends up in that fake database that is created in memory. I think yeah. all of those have their merits. Um, I think some will have more merits in some cases and others will have more merits in other cases. Um, but I'm wondering what have you typically had on your on, on the projects you've been building? Yeah, so so I'll, I'll take this idea of mocking to, to another level. And I've been thinking about this actually, about building mocks that will uh, also give you errors hmm. so imagine imagine you have a, a a third party api that you have to call to get some kind of information and um this and you mock it because one maybe it's a a rate limited api and you don't want to use up use up all of your uh uh your calls so you can mock this, but but so many people think of okay, I'm just going to send back correct data from from my mocked uh, resources, send back errors because that's the only way that you're you're going to know if the if your system is tough enough, is hard enough to to uh, and you know how it's going to what the behavior when an error does occur. Because so many times the bug doesn't surface when when the correct flow of state kind of happens. It happens when something gets thrown at the system that it wasn't maybe it wasn't uh, ever imagined that that uh, would happen. Like in college, we had a prof I had a professor that we would write systems and write our little. I mean, looking back, we thought these were complex software. I mean, they took a, maybe a week to develop, maybe six or seven hours over a week. And we thought they were so complex, and but they weren't. But he would get them and he would just start like, what happens if I just bang on the keyboard 
or put some you're expecting it in and i'm gonna put in some random characters into into the input so so that's what i always try to think of when when i'm building uh these tests or having a team like my team is building software we do messaging uh services and i always ask them like when you're doing unit test like write a unit test that that uh represents an error and see what happens mm -hmm. yeah that's really cool like the common thread i hear between chris and martin you guys like is the word that comes to mind is confidence right like when we write software, we're really looking for a level of confidence that what we're putting out is going to work. And when I think of all the unit testing strategies, I say unit testing, but I mean testing strategies that are out there, we have like unit tests, which uh, try to isolate and focus on a single unit, integration testing, which tries to put these units together and potentially also use like third-party dependencies. So you get like a clearer understanding of like how the flow can happen. Um, there's other strategies as well. Obviously a lot of teams have QA members, quality assurance members that go through and man manually test things. Um, Verify is a .NET project that helps you do snapshot testing. So, uh, you run a test, it fails, it produces an artifact, you review it as a human being and you accept that artifact. And anytime the artifact changes, you have to manually verify that, okay, the change was expected or unexpected. So the, the thing I'm getting, again, from testing strategies is like a level of confidence for you as the developer, a level of confidence for you as the team, and hopefully a level of confidence that you can portray to your, you know, business stakeholders that you're doing something and you're working on a solution and that that solution is going to deliver the promises that you and your team have made. So I think yeah. testing is really important for um, not just the technical aspects, but also for the social aspects of working in a team and a business. It's like we're all making promises and testing helps us stay honest and on task with kind of delivering the, on those promises. Yeah. And then there's the automated testing, which you take all those tests and you bring them into your CI CD pipeline. Uh, and it gets, and maybe some of those tests get run every time a, a new check-in happens and other tests, maybe complete testing happens when, when you want to do a new release um, to QA from dev or some people call it beta or whatever. But when you want to go from one environment to another, maybe you do a full test that represents the entirety of, of your testing strategy. But yeah, I, I think um, testing, you know, back in my day, we didn't really have a lot of testing. You would just kind of, each person would just test something on their machine. Uh, mm -hmm. But our challenge was always uh, documentation. So I always feel that testing is now today's doc or today's documentation. It's it's that people think about it too late. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think you should think about testing ahead of time, like when you're developing. And I'm not advocating TDD, test-driven development, um, or test domain development, or whatever everyone calls it, and, which has its merits. And that uh, so if people do that. That's awesome. It it it's a great way to to test your to build a a good system but yeah i i think testing should be thought of even at the architecture planning stage yeah it's it's funny yeah go ahead martin sorry yeah i I was gonna say i have a cool anecdote there um so for speaker travel the product that i'm building um i have some tests definitely not coverage for everything which is another topic that we can talk about test coverage whether you need that or not um, but I do have end-to-end tests on essentially every scenario that um, all parties involved can execute on the websites. And those tests run uh, in playwright. So they spin up the actual system. So it, it's the actual website just spun up on a Docker container. Um, and there's a virtual browser going through all the steps, like creating an account, logging in, creating an event, booking something, uh, all of that. And um, in terms of documentation, for me, it's super useful because that end-to-end scenario gives me what is supposed to work and what should I be doing. If I break something, I also get feedback that something is broken. For example, um, if I rename a text box on the login page, the logins will fail and I will immediately know that. Uh, but the cool thing is that at certain points in those tests, I also have that virtual browser take screenshots of the application. And I use those screenshots in the actual documentation for the product which is kind of nice because that also means if I add something, if I if I change the layout or would change the CSS, for example, I would get fresh screenshots after every integration test run. Martin, that's, really- you, that's why I call you the machine, man. You just you <laughs> do things that the normal developer don't even think about. So I... I, I would, it's, it's super I'm cool because you have the benefits... Yeah. Yeah, you have the benefit of having the actual test, but you also have the added benefit of getting something out of it that you can use elsewhere. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I, I had never thought about that, but uh, that's interesting. I, I I wonder, do any tools, how do you, do you, you just did that by hand. You just developed that individually or are you using a tool? So there's you- a... There's just like Selenium exists, uh, which is also one of those virtual browsers where you can select elements, click buttons, add text, and and all that. There's also Playwrights, uh, which I think is a little bit more modern, uh, but also I find personally a much nicer API to work with. Uh, And it gives you a virtual browser that can either be completely headless and completely virtual, or an actual Chromium, Firefox, um, I think even Safari support, so you can essentially test on multiple browsers if you want as well. Mm-hmm. And they have a recorder that you can use. So um, if you if you want to start writing your test, you essentially open the recorder and you click through the browser yourself. Uh, and what you will get is mostly correct locations of where you clicked, which elements you selected and so on. There's still a bit of fine tuning involved if you actually create the actual tests, um, but it's it's doable and it's definitely a nice experience. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Chris used the phrase back in the day, right? And I will say, I think all three of us are old enough to remember back in the day when 
really a lot of programming languages and technology stacks really weren't built with testing in mind, right? Uh, for for you folks uh, on the podcast, like when do you think .NET kind of bridged the gap from being untestable? And when I say .NET, I mean things like ASP.NET, uh, WPF, all, all the all the .NET technologies. When do you think .NET crossed that untestable to testable chasm? Because uh, I remember there was a time it was just super difficult to do certain things. And today, it's super easy to do any of the things that you want to do. Um, so yeah, you guys I, I remember... I remember uh, doing uh, like mocking an HTTP context in old ASP Nets MVC, for example. That would be horrific. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was bad. It was. It was. <laughs> um, so I have a, a interesting story. So just I won't take too long. But today I have to take my wife to a doctor's appointment, uh, and. We have to drive two hours away. So I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We have to drive to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we have to go for 10 minutes so she can give blood. And then we get to drive all the way home for, for two hours. And I, I, I asked my wife, I go, why do we need to go all the way over two hours away so you can give blood? And it was interesting remark that the doctor had told her. He wanted all of her blood work and all the testing on her blood to be done on the same equipment so that all the equipment has the same calibration, has the same, has the same foundation, has the same uh so so she has kind of a when when they check because they, they check for these little proteins that are in her blood. And, and we're talking like small, small amounts now. She has a chronic form of leukemia. So she has to get her blood tested because there's these protein markers in her blood that say if her cancer is, her bone marrow cancer is coming back. Uh which which then my my geek mind and software developer mind turned on and went oh that's an interesting concept that maybe people don't think about and they test their software on an ever changing uh, uh, foundation of technologies and hardware and cloud resources so I think also we have to think about not only the tests that we do, but where we test our software um, so that that we can, so our tests over time don't get skewed by the ever-changing environments that, that we're working in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that is an interesting concept. I mean, I will say it's a lot easier today yeah, I, we st we're starting to sound like those uh, old fuddy-duddy people that said like we. I used to walk five miles in the snow to get to school, but it's it's <laughs> uh, honestly it's true. Like it's a lot easier today to do what you describe, which is set kind of like 
a level of isolation and sandboxing so you have a clean environment uh, to do your testing and know that things aren't affecting uh, your tests and your confidence level in your test. So uh, Martin just kind of uh, one of the things uh, in the XUnit talk, Martin said, hey, this would be a cool blog post for JetBrains, which is uh, a blog post on test containers. Uh, so right now I'm working with test containers and it's a .NET library that can basically spin up Docker containers uh, for things like your database, uh, for things like your uh, ASP.NET Core application. You can set up virtual networks so these containers can talk to each other in your uh, unit slash integration tests. So building that baseline and building that uh, clean environment is a lot easier today. That said, we're talking about computers and abstractions, right? Like at some point, something is going to be different. And you just hope that that difference isn't affecting your application or your tests at some point. But, um, but, but Khalid, yeah. this, this is why every software team or at least every good software team has this one tower-based server um, stuck away underneath a desk in some office. And that is the machine that never changes. <laughs> it's still running Windows NT, I figure. Windows NT 3.0 <laughs> or something. Oh, uh, Windows, maybe Windows 2000 now. So. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah. Yeah. So going back, that question that we had talked about earlier, I just want to in, inject something, mm -hmm. actually a pun inject. Uh, how did I know when we could finally test on testing.net? I yeah. think it also occurred when we finally got dependency injection, like, libraries like inject and stuff like that we could we could uh replace systems easily with with those mocking uh systems that we that we talked about so mm -hmm. so just just wanted to throw that in that i didn't think about that uh when you guys were were chatting about that 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 is that is interesting you know it's funny because you're you're absolutely right. It's like testing didn't really take off until people started thinking about things like separation of concerns, uh, isolating services from logic and that kind of thing. So uh, it's not that people weren't testing before. It's just it probably didn't take off and become mainstream until those things started to happen in .NET. So, uh, yeah. Like again, this is there's like uh, nostalgia waves coming over me because I remember, you know, the the big dependency injection libraries, uh, Unity, Structure Map, uh, Ninject. Uh, what are some other ones? I'm trying to think. Castle, right? Was Castle one? Project so, Castle or something like yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, until those really came around and NUnit really was like adapted from JUnit. Uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of testing strategies from what I remember, but yeah, you know. it's it's really funny. Um, 
when I started my career somewhere along the way, um, I got into this testing bits and I remember that part of what Visual Studio would have as testing framework was really something for manual testing. Mm -hmm. So I think this was a really good question because we have gone from doing more manual testing to completely automating a lot of tests. Manual testing is still useful and is still being done. But I recall at that time, and I don't know the exact year, but it was very prominent in Visual Studio if you wanted to create a test it would be a manual test where people would actually have to check boxes and say, okay, I went through this step, I went through this step, and this succeeded, etc. So oh, I, I think we've definitely had that evolution, yeah. Yeah, it's think, funny because that yeah. comes out of the, the RAD era. <laughs> and I don't mean 80s and floating uh, skateboards RAD. I mean <laughs> like rapid application development, right? So there was a time in .NET where it was all about drag and drop and user interfaces that enabled people. And I think for me around the first versions of ASP not, ASP.NET MVC is when the transition from RAD to code first approaches really started to take hold in .NET. And I think that too was the era of like, okay, testing and code as like documentation, as like the thing that is really driving development, not drag and drop and manual work. I think really that's that's like, that's the inflection point that I can remember, so. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so as we're winding down this, this uh, episode, mm -hmm. and uh, we are, what where do you see testing going so so where's the innovation in testing these days are you guys seeing new ideas new projects that we can share with the with the viewers and the listeners I, I think there's a couple. So, for example, in Daniel's talk this week, um, I learned that in uh, in X units you have what was it combinatorial values, mm -hmm. something yeah. like that, a NuGet package that you can use. I didn't know of it. I've been using X units for years, um, but that is a package that allows you to do uh, combinatorials if you want to inject data in your unit tests that you're doing. So typically, if you're using X unit, you could do a theory and then inline data or fetch data from somewhere else. Uh, but this combinatorial thing would actually combine different values. So you can have two parameters and each parameter could get three values. It would actually do three by three. So nine different combinations that would get sent into that unit tests. Mm -hmm. And that one is interesting. I'm not sure if it's a big thing, but there are definitely things that make life of unit testing easier. Um, I think in ASP.NET, for example, there's also much easier things than there used to be in the past like the test web server that is in there that you can use the fact that you can now um, use HTTP message handlers in your unit tests and even mock those and so on. I don't think apart from the test web server probably um, that those those HTTP handlers are something that is inherent to testing and it's more a natural evolution of the framework. Um, but I, I think and I feel that the evolution is really in that our applications and frameworks are becoming more testable themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have I have two. One is rooted in reality, and the other is like wacky sci-fi. So I'll I'll start in reality and go go into sci-fi world. But uh, 
one of our JetBrains developers, Andre, gave a talk about WebAssembly debugging. And the thing he talked about in in like his talk in in a lot of respect was uh, Chrome developer or the Chrome DevTool protocol, the CDP. And it's nice to see uh, software vendors across the board build in automation APIs into their products from day one. So like, I'm not sure if companies like Microsoft with Teams or Slack even have these APIs, but uh, if you're building a product that people consume and work on, building localized APIs that people can call into and affect that application can really help adoption and help people test when they're do doing things like building, um, you know, extensions or additions to that software. So uh, the CDP stuff was really, really cool. And uh, I think that's made it easy for Martin to write things like uh, playwright tests or Selenium and stuff like that, because a lot of those use those protocols as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, Let's no, no. Sci-fi. No, go ahead. I want to know about oh, sci-fi. So, um, you know, I, I think I think LLMs and generative AI are really like big topics right now. Um, whether you agree with them or whether you disagree with them, I think they're here to stay in some respect. So I'm curious if at some point um, you could train a model to look at any web page and understand the components and elements of that page and kind of click through and fill in forms like a normal human would. So from a QA perspective, there's a lot of manual work, but if you had a model that understood web applications or business applications, and you just say, hey, go test this thing and get, give me an actual report and uh, tell me what warnings or what errors might've occurred during your test run, um, I could see that being a real big advantage for a lot of development teams. Yeah. Um, because especially with like continuous integration and continuous deployment, the rate at which we can push changes has increased dramatically, right? Like, um, so having something that can automate and go through those applications and understand, I'm doing understand air quotes. It doesn't understand. It just, you know, but if it can go through and test your application with that kind of stuff, I, I think that would be kind of a cool future to see. So, yeah, I mean, I also would love to see more, and this is the lazy developer in me, be able to see a LLM go through and you give it a, a solution or multiple solutions and it writes at least the starting documentation, starting testing, like you mm -hmm. say, I want these type of tests in these type of environments and it will develop either it will write the code to develop those those uh uh tests or take it one step further do like terraform to create all the resources that it thinks 
your system needs for for the testing scenario that you that you outlined in the uh in at the start so maybe i just gave myself a, a new startup idea or someone <laughs> out there a new startup idea if if you do it i get one percent please hey um, i get i get I, two per, i get two percent let's no let's, okay let's... we get three percent for the show and we'll oh. split it uh one percent <laughs> each so uh but 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 then who gets the additional ninety seven percent of that percentage? That's true. Well, that'll go towards charity. That'll go towards our beer and and whiskey uh, uh, kind of uh, allowance when we uh, if we ever get a chance to meet up in the in the three D world, the three of us. So. Um, By the way, I have, yeah. I have one more evolution that I just thought of and that I've cool. also seen talk about, and that is quite interesting, um, and that's mutation testing. Mm -hmm. So the idea there is that you have, uh, there's a couple of ways to do it, uh, but the idea is that your test is going to change your code as well and will give you insights into what could go wrong in your test that you're, you're trying out. So for example, if you have a method that says uh, is uppercase or something like that, and you only create a case where it checks for lowercase, there is going to be a mutation at some point where it's actually going to test for um, for integers and other stuff, and that will break. Mm -hmm. And you will get an idea of where you need more testing and what things could go wrong in your system that you may have not thought of. Um, and that's that's also quite an interesting, an interesting approach. I don't think you can do it on your entire code base, but definitely for critical paths and critical methods that's a, that's a really cool thing to do yeah yeah i totally agree i think the european space agency needed that when when they wrote some system that uh took in feet instead of instead of like centimeters and uh their <laughs> mars probe crashed into the uh, side of a Martian mountain or something like that. So I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of that is, is important. So, but uh, you know what, we're going to have to wrap up now. Uh, I want to thank the guys. I know they're tired after uh, 12 to 14 hours of uh, doing the, doing the, online event the other day so uh appreciate keep you going we're, we're used to it right now <laughs> yeah 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 mostly you guys are pretty virtual now i um are you guys well one last plug uh where are people going to be over the next like three or four months any conferences coming up uh i have ndc portal in a couple of weeks there's the karama um Next week or the week after? The week after, I think. Um, yeah, and the rest we'll see. Oh, and see you're going to update. So let's, let's see what happens. I think you're so as well. To, yeah. You're it's... going to one of my favorite uh, conferences, Update in Prague, and I'm I'm mad that I didn't get selected for that, but uh, but <laughs> that's breaks. Um, and then I'll be in November. I'll be at VS Live Orlando. So uh, okay. and. Lead, you're not going anywhere, are you? Well, I have a lot of webinars coming up. So uh, I have a JetBrains one uh, with, uh, I think, Scott Sauber, and we're talking Blazor, I think. So check that out on JetBrains TV. Again, like and subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that jazz. <laughs> and uh, 
Also, I think I'm hosting, helping host Game Dev Day for JetBrains. Uh, so that was recently added to my agenda. Uh, I'm also doing a Reacts, um, React Hooks webinar with Syncfusion. Uh, so that's something you can go cool. look for. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of webinar -y stuff. So, and always go to my blog uh, if you're interested in the content that I write and check out the JetBrains.net uh, blog because uh, not only do I write, but Martin and all the other advocates and uh, yeah, they do a great job with content there. So check yeah, that out. They do a good job. So awesome. Well, again, thank everyone for listening or watching. Uh, if you're on YouTube, please go down there and, and give us a, a like and uh, and subscribe to us. We do come out every two weeks. Uh, there might be a quickening for maybe a week or two. We may throw out a bonus episode, but, uh, and tell your friends about us, uh, go out and, and follow us on all the social media stuff. You can find us, just look up breakpoint show and you'll probably find us all over the place. But, uh, gentlemen. And I use that word very loosely. Uh, I want to thank you guys and on to the next episode. So bye, bye everyone. See ya. Bye.